Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We're going to talk how regulations and the regulatory environment is impacting cryptocurrencies. We'll talk about staking and ways to earn rewards on holding your cryptocurrencies in these pools. We also got word of Bitcoin City and a game changer that would potentially be going forward. I'm Andy Gersher. This is Gaines. So as we get ready for Thanksgiving, uh, Turkey, and all the fix-ins, let's bring in Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. Uh, his website, SenecalCapital.com. Uh, that's C-E-N-A-C-L-E Capital.com. Well, always great to have you on the show, Bill. Andy, thanks for having me. It's always, uh, it is really a blessing to be able to sit down and chat these all things crypto with you. It's, it really is uh, great. Something I'm very thankful for, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, everything. It, it, it just puts me in a very thankful mood. <laughs> so let's set the table and talk some crypto. As we move forward on this gains journey, we've set the table on on some of the basics. So I wanted to get into some of the specifics today. And the first thing that a lot of people I think who are new to this, who want to or have heard about staking, and they hear mm-hmm. about how staking can earn rewards on crypto you're currently holding. Um, explain uh, what exactly staking is and how folks who have crypto uh, can get involved in on uh, on the uh, earning rewards on their current holdings. Sure. Well, staking is a it's a way of securing the network. So there's there's proof of work, which is like Bitcoin and Ethereum, where we're where miners and individual people are spending energy and they're purchasing computer hardware in order to secure their network by hashing algorithms, by making sure that the sequence of all transactions in the, that are done with Bitcoin are properly ordered to the exact amount, and that that is an unchangeable, uh, an unchangeable record, um, ledger of records, so to speak. Proof of stake is a little bit different. It's the same way of securing the network, except it's a little bit more like a batch of transactions that are compared to uh, the previous batch and what it uses is like an election process it's kind of like all these people buy ethereum or they buy a cryptocurrency and they they hold it on their wallet and they kind of they deposit it they they lock it up on a pool so there's multiple copies of multiple versions from multiple people all with a sequential identical copy of like the node of all the transactions and by them holding it, by them, by them securing it and contributing these tokens that they cannot buy or sell, temp, you know, at that time, by by contributing their excess inventory, their ownership temporarily, into like a certificate of deposit-like device on a pool, they receive a reward. So, mining is about either work, like in Bitcoin, or it's about contributing temporarily your tokens to show that this is what a authentic record of of time looks like and transaction looks like. And that's kind of like proof of stake. It's more of an election 
invalidators, people who are who are given the responsibility of saying this is what the Ethereum 2.0 network should look like. This is what Tron or Algorand should look like. And when you have tens of thousands of people or maybe even hundreds of thousands of people contributing small amounts or large amounts into a pool, which is like a body of like a country, like a body of people, then that's what secures the network because they have all these different copies to uh, compare against. And you're given responsibility to the largest stakeholders for securing the network. So sometimes there's a penalty for acting badly and trying to add things to the ledger that really don't exist or are, are improper, or you are rewarded a staking reward for making sure that the tokens and the transactions all go well. Um, I, I cannot say that I can understand exactly how the staking process works from a technology standpoint, other than I've helped other people stake tokens. And you basically are transferring temporary ownership from your wallet to a staking pool. They give you an address and your money kind of shows up like a certificate of deposit or when you get a bank statement you see a small credit to your account and they is pay that, you and that, that in the token local uh, or in the currency that you're staking you always get paid so for instance if you're staking cardano you get paid in cardano if you're staking another currency mm -hmm. you get paid that staking income in that local currency well the, the answer is both primarily we're used to and the big movement is you know, for example, if you go to Coinbase, you can stake your Ethereum and earn off 4.5% annually. Algorand, 4%. Cosmos, 5%. Uh, Tezos, 4.63%. And, and remember that you have to compare that to, say, let's go back to the traditional side, right? Because we're always trying to bridge that gap between traditional investing and digital assets. You have the iShares Barclays 20-year Treasury Bond TLT, you know, that ETF, Exchange Traded Fund is yielding 1.47%. That's way less than staking Ethereum, right? And you're getting paid in US dollars. Uh, the, the three to seven year, 10 year treasury is earning 0.75%. I mean, that's our, our US dollar interest rates are very low. So yes, there's the answer to your question was, in nine times out of 10, you get paid your dividend based on the underlying native token that you have staked. Although, there are always exceptions, and there are some new decentralized finance tokens that you can contribute Ethereum, you can contribute Bitcoin, and you get paid. Uh, one, one token, Andy, is called Stacks. Uh, STX, I believe, is the symbol. When you buy Stacks token and you stake Stacks, they pay you in Bitcoin. Stake Stacks. Really interesting. Like so it's a way of providing network security and proof of stake on the staking uh, network, but they pay you in Bitcoin, which is really cool. When investors stake this, do they do it on a platform? I know some platforms, if you have that particular currency and you hold it for a set amount of time, you automatically get a, a staking uh, return. But how, how, how do um, crypto holders, how have you found the best way to stake currencies, what, what route have you gone, Bill? Well, it's hard to say what the best way is. I, I can tell you, again, the two or three ways that you can do it. So I have friends and clients that own their tokens at Coinbase. And they love the Coinbase platform, and they just stake right off of Coinbase. Right? You, you click the staking button, you select how much you want to stake, and for how long you can stake for, and you begin receiving those rewards, uh, you know, after a time. I know people that uh, they can stake off their Ledger Nano S or their, their Tezos cold wallet storage solution. I've done some consulting for people that help them stake a token called Theta. Theta is like the YouTube and content uh, cryptocurrency project. And you, when you stake Theta, you receive Theta fuel as a reward. And so what they do is they have all their theta on their wallet. They send it to a pool where there's thousands and thousands of other people staking the same token and you receive theta fuel as your reward. And that's done with through uh, a, a, a treasure device. That's primarily what they use. Uh, and then if you have a wallet on your phone, you can download an atomic wallet, a, um, 
you know, Ethereum wallets, any, any kind of wallet really that you want to. And generally, one of the four or five selections at the bottom will be to stake the tokens that are in your wallet. And it kind of pulls them away from one side of the ledger into the other side, and you can watch your rewards build over time. And But you have to also get a heads up. You have to be aware that when you break your contract, when you decide to take your coins back, when you unstake them, that's kind of where the wallet or the company that you stake them with make their money. They will charge you an exit fee, kind of like a penalty from breaking a, uh, a contract with a, a, a traditional bank with a certificate of deposit. They usually let you in for free and charge you on the way out. So you just be aware that your rewards might not be as juicy as you think, depending on what the fee is to unstake your rewards. And when currencies are being staked, explain how that revenue, how those rewards are actually being created. I know that a lot of times you'll you'll split it. Uh, uh, you know, if you stake something, the company you're staking it through the platform may take a little cut, mm-hmm. and then you take uh, you get a cut just like all the other stakers in that pool. Explain that. Right. Well, I've seen again. I've only I have um, limited experience on the staking side, but I'm. Uh, you know, it's kind of like um, it's like a hedge fund, right? A hedge fund, in a way, is trying to earn investor assets. They're trying to do as best they can, earn as much money on the return, given a certain strategy. And for that, each inv- individual investor will pay 2% annual management fee and maybe 20% of the profits. It's, I, I look at staking a little bit like that, but it's done in a decentralized way where I take my tokens, like my cash, I donate it with a platform, uh, whether it's a hedge fund or a staking company, they do the work of getting my tokens onto the pool, or I can do it myself, right? And so what there is a cost involved in running the pool and hiring developers and making sure that it's not attacked by cybersecurity hackers. So there's always an expense in the background, just like there's an expense in a management fee when you own an exchange traded fund or when you own a mutual fund. It's like, it's no different. But it's the, the rewards are paid out in the original native token. And again, someone has to be responsible for managing the tokens, making sure that the pool is running well, the internet doesn't go down, they're not suffering from a denial of service attack, right? So there's, there's infrastructure in the background. And for that, you give up a little bit of the profit, a little bit of that four and a half or 5% um, when you are, have your, your token staked. And then when you take them away, just like when you sell an ETF or you sell a mutual fund, there's sometimes a commission involved. And the company that is staking your tokens for you, they need to receive a reward also because there's a process that's involved in unstaking and moving your your tokens off that pool and returning them to you. Sometimes the fee is just, I hate to call it labor because it could be a decentralized algorithm, algorithm that's doing it, but also generally there is a gas fee. There is a fee for moving money moving your token from one place to another and sometimes it's in the native token like an algorand or a cosmos or a tezos sometimes it's in ethereum and ethereum gas fees are very very high uh it's not all that much different andy than if you were minting a non-fungible token sometimes you have to pay for that uh the privilege of putting your digital asset on a blockchain on the ethereum blockchain means you have to spend ethereum and sometimes it's very expensive, you know, $50, $60, $70. Uh, kind of defeats the purpose of the small efficiencies that we're looking to acquire in the digital asset world. But I'm just saying that they exist, and the user has to know what is the cost going in, what is the cost going out, and what is the annual, you know, uh, percentage of, that I could potentially earn on those tokens. You, you just mentioned gas fees. Uh, that's an important component to all of this. You had met, also talked about how there's the, the tie, you use gas uh, gas fees mm-hmm. to create NFTs, non-fungible tokens. So explain the, the gas fees and how they are utilized or how you burn them in both uh, NFTs and in, in, in cases, cryptos, or you, you often will use them in swap exchanges. Explain all of that. Right. <laughs> well, I would say a gas fee is exactly the perfect definition for what we're talking about. It is fuel in order to um, offset the cost of performing a transaction on a network. So in Ethereum, you have miners, they're spending electricity, they've bought computer hardware, 
they have these massive expenses. And what makes the whole blockchain, what makes the whole Bitcoin, Ethereum, and digital asset world amazing is that the incentives are lined up pretty well. I mean, when you and I transact using Venmo or PayPal or any other uh, traditional banking service, there's a fee involved, right? There's somewhere, somehow, somewhere, somebody's making money to keep that bank branch open or, or and, and pay those fees. Somebody, no yeah, somebody is definitely paying a fee, or, or or they're they're taking a cut somewhere in the transaction. Right. Sometimes it's the bid ask spread. Sometimes you have a checking account that has less than ten thousand dollars. They're charging you sixty bucks a month, um, you know, to to manage that checking account, right? So nothing's free. And nothing is really free in the world of cryptocurrency either, but at least the incentives are lined up correctly so that the miners receive a reward for expending their energy and their computational power to secure the network. So a gas fee is that a small amount of pricing value that is required when you conduct a transaction on a blockchain, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or something else. And it, it has to do but with supply and demand, how busy is the network? how popular, uh, you know, is the, and really it's like traffic that's on an expressway, right? We're moving transactions down this highway, this freeway of cryptocurrency. And sometimes things are moving slow and you're spending more gas because you're sitting in traffic and the air conditioning's on. And other times you're just zipping through the platform, right? You're just zipping through the highway, um, you know, d depending on what time of year or, or what's going on. So, most people complain about the Ethereum gas fee because the transactions likely are very expensive. Uh, Ethereum is, is currently, you know, they're burning Ethereum, so they're taking it out of the supply, which makes that supply-demand curve a little bit interesting. I, I can't, again, say, Andy, that I know intimately how much Ethereum is burned during the transactions as we move from proof-of-work to proof-of-stake. Uh, and so people are looking for alternatives to transact on different chains other than Ethereum, because it is currently very expensive. So it's the miners generally get to set the fee of what they decide to charge to secure and place the com computational power on the network. And again, it's, um, it's just part of the fees that the miners will receive. And someday when the rewards disappear in Bitcoin, all that will be there to pay the miners will be the transaction fee. So whatever the year, year that is, 2020, 21, 26, whenever the last Bitcoin is mined, all that will be left is the transaction fees. There will be no more reward to miners for securing and expending energy and all the work to process and value and, and protect the network. We're, we're going to take a break real quick here. Uh, and I, I want to talk to you on the other side of the break about, I've often thought about this, once all of Bitcoin is mined and the miners are out of the equation, what that will mean for Bitcoin. I'd love to have you weigh on that in just one second. Uh, hey, real quick, before we go to break, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, if that's a possibility, and subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. Hey, one little program note. We usually drop a podcast on Friday due to the holiday shortened week. Our next show will actually be dropped uh, next Tuesday. So just be uh, aware of that. Um, all right. We're going to hit a, a break real quick, and then we'll be right back with uh, Bill Ulaveri. So uh, just hang tight, and we'll see you on the other side of the break. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. We're back with Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. Uh, his website, SenecalCapital.com. That's C-E-N-A-C-L-E Capital.com. Um, you know, as we were heading into the break, Bill, I wanted to get your take on what happens, and you had mentioned that date, when they know all the Bitcoin has been mined, the miners are out of the equation. What does that mean for Bitcoin after that occurs? Well, I'm not going to say any that the miners are out of the equation per se, because they still need to secure that network. They still need to um, place everything in chronological order and timestamp every transaction, you know, every 10 minutes. But right now, the, the rewards for miners are twofold. Part of the reward comes from the six and a quarter Bitcoin that are released into the economy every 10 minutes or so. And there's also a small transaction fee that's involved in every, uh, in every Bitcoin transaction. You pay a fee to send your Bitcoin from one person to the next. And the miners receive that, that fee. So they receive, they, they receive a little bit of reward and they receive a little bit of dividend. I, I'm not quite sure how to how else to explain that. And most people don't solo mine. In other words, you don't, people who are miners are not just individual people with this little shoebox size mining thing. It's massive commercial grade farms that have thousands and thousands of machines in a warehouse somewhere. And so they generally will create their own pool. They'll create their own space on the internet Maybe they use Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure, or they're using some type of um, server farm somewhere that helps aggregate all the mining computing power, right? And so, again, there's a fee for that. But the miners receive, again, like I said, a twofold transaction. Whenever the buyer, whenever someone sends money through the network, like if I were to send you Bitcoin or if I were to send you Ethereum during this network, I have to pay a fee for that. And there's a fee for, and the reward for the miners is a little bit of that fee, and then the Ethereum that's released every whatever the whatever the mining cycle is. I think every 60 seconds. I'll have to go back and look when a new when a new token is being created. So specifically with Bitcoin, once the 21 million token cap has been reached, and there's no more rewards, 
per se, the mining rewards on the the release of the new tokens in the economy, all there will ever be is 21 million tokens, and then those tokens will those people will still receive a uh, a transaction fee for securing the network. Does does it concern you though that the incentive isn't at the same level once you know not only are you getting tokens when you're mining and you get this this fee for kind of helping secure the network when that incentive is not as rich is there a concern there boy that's really a great question um i'm not exactly sure how that's going to play out i would say that the theory is rather than a lot of little transactions there are going to be more high value transactions on the bitcoin network so Seyfuddin Amos, the author of the Bitcoin standard and the fiat standard, believes that if Bitcoin is going to be the digital gold, if it's going to be the ultimate global currency that is settled up every 12 hours or every 24 hours amongst banks, and it's hundreds of billions of dollars that are being transacted, not every 10 minutes, but say, for example, only one huge, massive settlement at the end of the evening or maybe every hour where no one's really sure how that's going to look that the transaction fees should be sufficient for the miners right otherwise what's going to happen is the uh, the the fees are going to have to get adjusted somehow because if the miners leave the the space if miners leave the economy of bitcoin then the reward the the mining the difficulty gets easier and there has to be a reward somewhere. So perhaps the transaction fees might actually increase with the fewer miners that are involved in the economy. So it's a theoretical conversation right now, Andy, because what's happened is Bitcoin is now $53,000 of USD per token. The difficulty of mining Bitcoin is still near almost its all-time high before China banned it. We have the Bitcoin reward has gone from, what was it, 25 uh 25 Bitcoin per, per 10 minutes to now six and a quarter, and then it'll be 3.125, and then that'll get cut in half again. So the lower the reward for Bitcoin, the higher the price goes, and the lower the reward, uh, the, the lower the, the mining reward, the transaction fee is going to have to go up to compensate for that somehow, right? I mean, otherwise, why are you paying thousands of dollars a day in electricity? Why are you bothering to upgrade your network? So there's this perfect yin-yang solution, and it's worked so far, right? So you went from 25 tokens and maybe a dollar each to six and a quarter tokens that are worth $55,000 each. So the the mining, the, the people that are mining can still hold on to the Bitcoin up until the very end, right, where there's no more rewards but just a transaction fee. So, Andy, I, your guess is as good as mine, exactly what's going to happen. But I, I suspect that miners will peel away. The difficulty will get easier, but the transaction fees are going to have to go up because that's selected and designed by the miners. That's really interesting because, I, I, yeah, I, I, I know that the miners have just a, 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 such a crucial part in this entire ecosystem because it's all about checks and balances. Just explain that real quick the checks and balances that everybody plays in the blockchain when, when these transactions go down? Well, the checks and balances are, boy, it's really, it's a, that's a great question, Andy. So right now we have a third-party intermediary like the Options Clearing Corp or the Chicago Mercantile or the Federal Reserve Bank, right? They're the ones, or even our local banks, right? They are performing the work of moving money out of my account and putting it into your account whenever we engage on a transaction. If I send you PayPal or a Venmo transaction for, you know, we we had dinner. So that's done by third-party trusted officials. They debit my account, credit your account. That work is done in the Bitcoin network by miners, and who's keeping track and the security of the of that those transactions are the people who are running a node. A node is someone that owns a full copy of the Bitcoin network, the Bitcoin the Bitcoin file that contains every single transaction from 2009 to today, every 10 minutes in sequential order, with one block linked to the one right behind it. That's being done by the miners and the nodes. Um, and so the nodes are people, anybody can volunteer to be a node, to, to run a node. 
you use a basic PC, you have to download the entire block file, which is massive. I think it's in the 40, 40 gigabyte size, perhaps. It's a massive file. The entire, think of it as like an Excel spreadsheet. It's the largest Excel spreadsheet you can download containing every transaction and the fee of, uh, of, of every, every buyer and seller and at what time they did it. So the node is the complete file of library of the, the transactions. The miner is the one that performs the computational work and encrypted work to make sure that that file is secure and can't be duplicated and is unchanged. So these things just keep get, getting layered one on top of each other. That's why they call it blockchain. One block of 10-minute transactions is chained to the next one, chained to the next one every 10 minutes for the entire history of, of Bitcoin. And that costs money and it takes time and it, it requires a little bit of fee and the incentives are lined up to compensate those people for that. Here, here's another one for you. This blockchain continues to grow and grow and grow, okay? And it's being stored. Is there a time when that file becomes too big? Where you can't even store, money. there's not even enough memory on some average computers to even store it. I mean, is there a possibility that like a blockchain like Bitcoin, I mean, you have every single transaction, as you just mentioned, becomes too large? You know what? I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. And that is when I have conversations with people about Bitcoin in the block size, you know, what, what Roger Veer did and with Bitcoin Cash was to double the block size. They created, they created a block that was that it was, was could hold twice as many transactions or, you know, quadruple the number of trans. I think it was just the block size, but um, thinking that that would be the answer to the, the congestion in the Bitcoin network, but that's not the answer. The answer is like the lightning network, which are these second layer applications where you have hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of transactions happening on these private channels. And then we just settle up when we're done transacting at the end of the night. So I, I think that the Bitcoin file right now is huge, um, but it's not, I don't think it's, it's nowhere near as big as, say, the storage space that's on my desktop computer now or anything else I can buy. I don't, I don't think it's so um, onerous that people can't buy an external hard drive or store the Bitcoin file on their computer and is running a node. Like, I don't really think that's the issue. What I think is going to happen is, again, like I said, we're going to have second layer applications where we will have massive amounts of global Bitcoin rails, the payment system, transacting U.S. dollars and euro dollars and Chinese yuan and all over the globe. And then we'll just kind of settle up things later. later. Um, so that, that's what I think is going to happen. That's the optimistic people that are in this space building scalable enterprise-like solutions are kind of betting on the Lightning Network and the other type of second layer applications that are coming on down the road in the future. They well, seem in completely fact, unconcerned. On that Lightning Network, that's how they conduct all those smaller transactions in a place like El Salvador. We were talking about that. So just kind of go in a little more detail about the Lightning Network and how it enables those smaller transactions to be consolidated. It kind of explain that, Bill. Well, the, the, the Bitcoin is the Bitcoin is consists of two parts. It's the payment rail system, like, like I said, Amtrak rails or your local public transportation, those rails, the highways that we experience on the road. And then there's the Bitcoin, the currency, right? The token that's kind of like the train car or the automobile that travels on the rail. And so the Lightning Network is a really interesting piece of software that was made very popular by Jack Mellers who came up with the strike app, who's been very, very involved in El Salvador and getting them to accept Bitcoin. And so what you can do is you can kind of open up a bar tab. You open up a channel between two people. It's called the channel. And I connect my app to your app, right? We have, Andy, you and I are going to open up a lightning network channel. Okay. And you and I are going to have this, this um, private, quote unquote, private channel where I preload my wallet with $50 or $100. And you and I are going to go out to dinner and we order a round of drinks and dinner and it's on, it's, it's my turn to pay. So I send you money through the lightning network. That transaction never makes it to the, to the Bitcoin network. That's an off chain transaction. 
And then we go out the week after that, and it's your turn to buy. So then you send me my share. And we're just going back and forth, back and forth every week for a year, 52 transactions. But until we decide to settle up and close our bar tab, only then will our transactions, the net net amount, make it to the Bitcoin chain. Like, and, and, and you'll see it on the blockchain. So the idea is to re- alleviate the congestion on every single low-value transaction on the Bitcoin network. Let's kind of do it off to the side. We'll keep track of it like a bar tab. And when we settle up, we settle up. That makes it to the Bitcoin network. So, uh, you know, we have $400 million of remittances that are coming inbound to El Salvador. Some of that is dollar, U.S. dollar to U.S. dollar because El Salvador also accepts U.S. dollars as their, their, their currency. But now they accept Bitcoin as legal tender. So I can either send it when I use the wallet that the El Salvadorians are using called a Chivo wallet. I can send U.S. dollar to U.S. dollar me to them using USD, or I can send them Bitcoin on chain, which is kind of expensive, or I can select the Bitcoin network, lightning network, which is let's open up a channel and have a conversation because I'm going to be doing business with you either once or maybe multiple times. So the people in El Salvador now have three ways to get paid us dollars, Bitcoin on chain, Bitcoin off chain using the lightning network, the lightning network costs, virtually nothing to send money. And when I say virtually nothing, I mean nothing. Bitcoin on-chain, has got to, there's got to be a little expense to that. That's probably more expensive, but I don't have any intel on that just yet. I think the interesting thing about El Salvador is if they can make this work there, just think of all the other countries, especially the ones, we've talked about this in the past, especially the countries where they have a ton of currency fluctuation. People lose the value of their money the second they get paid and they have to spend it right away before even the, the end of the week because it loses its money so quickly. So I think this El Salvador is really, you know, I hate to say, you know, this cliche, but it's a, it is a game changer. I think so. I mean, uh, you know, I had a conversation with uh, Hannah Rosenberg from Velas Commerce, who Velas Commerce that just uh, arrived back to the states from the Latin American Bitcoin conference. And she said it was very interesting, very compelling. There's a lot of hype, a lot of excitement. I mean, they're really trying to build a Bitcoin city. Uh, Bukele, the uh, president of El Salvador, is going to float a billion-dollar bond that uses Bitcoin as collateral against the bond. He wants to build a Bitcoin city. It's a tax. It's like a TIF area. You know, no capital gains, uh, no uh, income tax, like this huge tax-friendly entrepreneurial cryptocurrency hub is what he claims to be building. And we're not sure yet because the verdict is still out, but it's exciting and the possibility and potential is there. It's also quite um, obvious that he doesn't care much for the International Monetary Fund, uh, the way that they manipulate, he believes, um, you know, lending of of funds to small countries. So I think it's a little bit of jab, a little bit of jab to the man, right? You're sticking it to the man. You can make a case that uh, the World Bank, the IMF, some of these loans that these they make to these countries, put them in positions where they, they really never get out of debt. So I, I, I could see the other side of that. Right. I, I do see both sides. I really do. Um, and, 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 and just but, picking up on that Bitcoin city, just talk about that a little bit more. I, it's really interesting. I, I, I think the nomad crypto investor, <laughs> that, that's a place where they may want to reside long term. Well, you know, it's all about taxes, right? And people are people are leaving Illinois and other you know, high tax states for, um, you know, perhaps Texas, Texas or Arizona, where the tax Basis uh, taxable fees are a little bit less expensive. Listen, I the Bitcoin City is something that was just announced about a week ago, um, and so the idea is, you know, there's there's this paradox, Andy, and that is governments that raise taxes in hopes of getting revenue end up receiving less revenue than those places that charge nothing in tax or keep those tax rates as low as possible. And so it's counterintuitive. Like the more you, more money you want to earn in revenue, the lower your taxes have to be. And so that's what I think El Salvador is doing. I think they've been a nation that has had corrupt politicians and uh, you know inflation. 
They've had their struggles economically for almost as long as anybody can remember. I mean, the, the reason why they jettisoned their own currency and moved over to the U.S. dollar, I think, in 2002 was to try to build some credibility to their currency and help their nation. But it's also a very young nation. I think the average age is in the mid-20s, and they're tech-savvy. And, you know, maybe 50 to 60 percent of the citizens in the El Salvador area or El Zante, which is this beachside community, they're using Bitcoin. And maybe they're not so sure how to use it yet. And they, everybody has a Chivo wallet, which is the government-run wallet. And they're maybe not all, all 100 percent sure what to do, but they're learning. And they're learning in real time, right? Uh, one of my friends uh, of the family used to use the term "fay complete," like it is done. Where you you go you go home from work on a Friday, management makes changes. You're coming on Monday morning, and your whole world has changed. Hey, sorry, can't go back. We're not going back. You're going to have to figure this out as you go back. Fay complete. It is done, right? Uh, and toothpaste, so the toothpaste is out of the tube on that one. <laughs> the toothpaste is already out of the tube. You can't put it back. Exactly. So I've heard really good reports from Hannah on people are using it. They're kind of excited. They're, they're learning. And they understand that while Bitcoin may have dropped a little bit in value since uh, the release of the, the, the wallet and the Bitcoin hype last week from you know, Latin American Bitcoin conference, they do see what Bitcoin has given the world in terms of having a hard currency that they don't have to spend the instant that they get it. So there's a lot of positive excitement out there. But again, it's a learning curve, right? They should, they should be having uh, more classes and, and classes in Spanish, like how, how to help people with this, because um, it, it's, it's really exciting. And if President Bukele, Bukele, Bukele can pull off what he claims to, to be able to put off, the bonds, the Bitcoin city, the tax incentives, there will be massive amounts of young people headed to El Salvador or getting citizenship out of El Salvador so that they can build stuff without an onerous regulatory environment that is kind of hamstringing uh, current projects. Just like, Andy, you and I were having a conversation before the episode. Uh, El Toro said that they're going to discontinue um, Tron, Cardano, and there was a third cryptocurrency because there was some regulatory concern out of the initial coin offerings back from 2017. So the SEC really hasn't provided clarity on what kind of regulations cryptocurrency projects should follow. And so here you have four years ago, an act that now is, is affecting today's project because you don't know if it's gonna be this major lawsuit like with Ripple and, and the SEC. So if anything, El Salvador is providing what appears to be a warm and friendly uh, tax free environment and potentially a regulatory free environment. And wow, that, that just is really setting the entrepreneurs and uh, the cryptocurrency developing development team on fire. Like that's, that's super exciting. That uncertainty surrounding regulations, I, th I think is, is kind of been weighing on uh, the crypto markets at large as of late. I think it's weighed heavily for a few years. I mean, I'm not quite sure when the first XRP SEC lawsuit went into place, Andy. It's got to be three years now. And, right? and they're I mean, right in the been... middle of that when you, you just you had talked about Ripple. Uh, Ripple, in fact, I you know, just going back real quick, I was really surprised that uh, Cardano and Tron um, are going to be pulled due to regulatory uh, concerns from eToro, um, whereas, but they, they we still have Ripple, which is knee deep in in all of this right now. Uh, though Ripple is freely traded on their platform, so it's interesting right. how these things can pop up and what um, currencies can be impacted. Well, I, I I think from what I've you know in my newsfeed, the development team and cryptocurrency projects just want some issuance and clarity from the SEC. Like whatever the rule is, just tell it what tell us what it is so that we can follow it and not be penalized too far back in hindsight, right? Can we move forward with this? And I think that's the XRP is their big issue. Like, okay, you we're guilty of this. Where is where's the clarity? Where are your statements? Where are the guidelines that we can follow? Oh, you haven't given them to us? Well then how are we guilty of anything? Oh, but we are? We failed the Howey test? 
but did we really like like give us some give us something we can move forward on instead of keeping us in this purgatory like position and yeah i'm boy when i saw the etoro news this morning on cardano and tron i was really shocked like oh my gosh we have to go back now to 2017 the 2016 where these projects did their icos and they raised maybe $30 million, $40 million, Which is a drop in the bucket compared to the valuation of some of these right now anyway. Right? I know. And so, like, let's just pay, tell you what. Let's just start from today, right, November 24th. Anything we did illegal, we'll just we'll pay, we'll pay the fine. Can we just move forward with this? You know, you're right. Like, if, if Cardano's market cap is uh, in the tens of billions, what is a few million dollar fine just to to take the heat off? Right? Can you grandfather us in kind of thing? Well, and again, clarity on attorney. this. I think that's just key for a lot of uh, a lot of this going forward. Right. The Cardano token has a market cap of fifty four billion dollars. What what is what is a listen? I know I'm just going to sound crazy for me to say this, but what is a few million dollars? To a fifty-four billion dollar market cap, Tron market cap is seven billion. What's a few million dollar fine to the SEC to move on? Like, I don't know. I'm 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 speaking crazy talk here, but no, I, I get exactly ten- what you're saying. Uh, hey, one little note by the way. Uh, looking at Ripple on Etoro, they have it listed, but you cannot buy it. So uh, Ripple is um, kind of caught up in uh, in this as well. Sure, sure, and their market cap is forty-eight billion. And again, let's ask ourselves, you know, if, if they could settle with the SEC, would they? I don't know the answer to that. And what does it mean going forward? Is XRP really going to be the new SWIFT payment network for the global banking system? Is this a political ploy and maneuvering by the SEC? Are they truly interested in creating a great regulatory framework? I mean, maybe what happens, Andy, out of all of this, all of this is that the SEC – you know, maybe they just kind of mothball the investment, you know, the, the Investment Act of 1940. They come up with new cryptocurrency rules because this is not going away. Maybe maybe all this is a good thing where we get true uh, independent regulatory guidance from an SEC-like body that is dedicated only to cryptocurrency, like by young people in their 30s and 40s and 50s and, and attorneys and, and developers who are making and setting policy because – I sure would hate for us to lose this arms race of cryptocurrency and blockchain technology to you know younger countries because this could really this could be great things for the U.S. Oh, absolutely. And maybe fact, rather than I think maybe it's a rather total than misstep by China to to ban a lot of this, I think the U.S. and some other places have uh, taken the reins, and uh, it only makes sense that uh, any any country that's looking forward to the future is going to engage with this and put in some kind of framework so people can legally navigate uh, you know, within that framework. So let's just kind of finish it there. Uh, it looks like the turkey is almost done, Bill, so we'll, we'll kind of leave <laughs> it at that, and then we'll talk after Thanksgiving. So, uh, But before we uh, call, it, uh, call it a day here, a couple plugs for you. There's a text that people can uh, do to get more information. Go through your plugs, Bill. Uh, you know, we always say you're a Bill Uliveri, owner of Seneca Capital Management in Glenview, and the website, of course, SenecaCapital.com. That's C-E-N-A-C-L-E, Capital.com. But uh, give us that text and a little uh, more information or details where our gains listeners can get more information. Andy, I really, really appreciate that. Uh, any opportunity to promote what we're doing. So if you wanted to get our free newsletter, you text the word blockchain to 22828. That's the word blockchain to 22828 to get started. I publish a newsletter called the blockchain advisor from uh, about every 10 days or so. I have a Spotify channel that I started a few weeks back. So I'm posting you know, interesting interviews with people in the blockchain space. We're a state registered investment advisory firm. Uh, we're a separate account manager, so we don't take custody of client assets. And we're also doing some option strategies and in investing uh, in Bitcoin products that are exchange listed for our own clients. So everybody 
I'd have to, everybody without exception on my platform owns now a four to 5% position in Bitcoin just because it is the, there, this is where alpha is being added to our portfolios. And I'm super, super excited about this. So for the 401ks and IRAs and small business pension plans that we manage, we have been in the space again for five, six years, and we're really looking forward to rolling out and even offering more type of individual models, investment models that are not just 60-40 or 70-30, but contain a little bit of cryptocurrency as it becomes listed on exchanges. So super exciting time to live, super exciting time to be an investment advisor and uh, helping people, you know, teach them a little bit about what's going on. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity of being on your show, Andy. Really, it's just it's such a thrill. Thankful that uh, you can join us uh, regularly. We've had we've had some great conversations. So uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you on the other side of the holiday. Sounds great. Thank you, Andy. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, that's going to wrap up our gains podcast today. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. And and as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when we drop a new episode. We usually have a fresh episode on Fridays, but due to the holiday-shortened week, our next podcast comes out uh, next Tuesday. So on that note, have a happy Thanksgiving, and we will see you next week. A News Radio WBBM podcast, powered by Odyssey. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.